I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Hey there, welcome back to Practical Stoicism. I am your host, Tanner Campbell. And as usual, I'd like to remind you that you can get rid of ads and support this show by going to stoicism.supercast.com and becoming a premium member. If you can't afford to do that or that's not your thing, I get it. It's cool. You can also show your support for this show by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or podchaser.com. You can also submit questions on the website at stoicismpod.com under the contact section. Or you can send me an email and let me know what the show means to you. All of that is a form of supporting what I'm doing here because all of that helps to keep me doing it. It keeps me focused, keeps me paid, keeps me motivated, keeps me all those things. So however you can afford or make way to support the show, all of it is appreciated. In today's episode, we're going to go over the 13th meditation of book two. We're getting real close to the end. There are only 17 meditations in book two, so we are close. And to give you a heads up now, in between book two and book three, I will be taking a one-month break, so expect that. Of course, if you're listening later, you won't notice that break because that will have already happened. But for those of you who are listening along and have been since the beginning, expect a break in the month of June. Now let's get to, again, the 13th meditation of book two, which reads as follows. Nothing is more wretched than a man who traverses everything in a round and pries into the things beneath the earth, as the poet says, and seeks by conjecture what is in the minds of his neighbors, without perceiving that it is sufficient to attend to the Logos within him and to reverence it sincerely. And reverence of the Logos consists in keeping it pure from passion and thoughtlessness and dissatisfaction with what comes from the gods and men. For the things from God merit veneration for their excellence, and the things from men should be dear to us by reason of kinship. And sometimes even in a manner, they move our pity by reason of men's ignorance of good and bad. This defect being not less than that which deprives us of the power of distinguishing things that are black or white. This one is interesting to me because of its last line, but let's take it from the beginning. Nothing is more wretched than a man who traverses everything in a round and pries into things beneath the earth, as the poet says, and seeks by conjecture 
what is in the minds of his neighbors. We all know exactly what Marcus is talking about here because we all claim disdain for it when we see it. We're talking about when people busy themselves with gossip or when they are constantly judging and speaking poorly about others, or when they can find all the criticism in the world for others but are entirely blind to their own shortcomings. No one likes people like this today, and nobody seemed to have liked them in ancient Greece or Rome either. What value is this sort of person bringing to the equation? Is it not always negative and distracting? Without perceiving that it is sufficient to attend to the logos within him and to reverence it sincerely. I'm saying the logos here to avoid using the word daemon because it's a very antiquated word. In fact, George Long does use the word daemon, although I don't know that it's correct that I should be using the word logos here. It maybe is more accurately something like inner power. For Marcus and other Stoics as well, your inner daemon was a spark of the divine. It was really synonymous with the Logos, which is why I'm using Logos. It's a word that most people somewhat familiar with Stoicism have heard before. But here's the Greek philosopher Heraclitus on the Logos. He lived, by the way, from 540 to 480 BCE. Although this Logos is eternally valid, men are still unable to understand it not only before hearing it, but even after they've heard it for the first time. That is to say, although all things come to pass in accordance with this Logos, men seem to be quite without any experience of it, at least if they are judged in the light of such words and deeds as I am here setting forth. Heraclitus was an influential thinker, and if you can't tell from this single passage, had a significant impact on the thoughts of the Stoic philosophers who would live after him. He lived more than a hundred years before the founding of Stoicism. Heraclitus and Marcus are both saying essentially, the Logos is the natural order of things and it's always going to get its way. It is, as referenced in a previous episode, the cart that our dog is tied to. Yet despite being tethered to it, despite being the thing which determines what will happen, most people do not recognize it and so are dragged along in life by force and never realize the more fulfilling, joyful life they might have if they first realized they were tied to a cart and, second, learned to jog alongside it and be happy doing so. To worship the Logos sincerely is to recognize it and pay attention to it, and to train yourself to run alongside it, to run alongside that cart. When you do this, life is less of a, I'm being dragged through the mud and everything is terrible kind of experience, and more of a, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and going in the right direction kind of experience. It is the difference between, woe is me, and I'm grateful and I'm enjoying being alive. For the things from the gods merit veneration for their excellence. What is divine deserves our respect, according to Marcus, because it is good, or if you prefer, What is natural deserves our respect because it is good. That's the full spectrum of things, too. Life is natural. Death is natural. Joy, sorrow, love, etc. These things are all natural. To the Stoics, that which is natural cannot be avoided. So why should it be considered anything but good? What is the point of thinking something natural is bad? That will only make you complain about things that you cannot control, like the weather, for example. And what is the point of that? And sometimes even, in a manner, they move our pity by reason of men's ignorance of good and bad, this defect being not less than that which deprives us of the power of distinguishing things that are white and black. 
With this closing thought, Marcus is bringing us back to the initial use of the word wretched. He has softened a bit as he's gone through writing this meditation, though. He came in seeming a little frustrated, but has ended by saying something akin to, perhaps the wretched also deserve our pity. For imagine what it must be like to not know the Logos, their inner power, their inner daemon, and the nature of it, so as to live a good and fulfilling life. Put yourself in their shoes. Imagine if you couldn't tell that you were doing something wrong, that you were doing something out of alignment with nature. This allows us to reframe how we feel about people. I do this a lot. When people misbehave, I don't think, oh, those people suck. I think somebody's not shown those people how to act well. Or maybe something has happened in those people's lives that prevent them from prioritizing acting well. There's probably some significant trauma there. I humanize people perhaps more than I should or more than is practical, but I think it's better to overdo that than it is to underdo it. In the same way that I feel it is better to let someone get away with something than it is to punish someone for something they haven't done. It's better to play it safe and be kinder, I think. There is a sting of judgment in this meditation, an air of arrogance maybe as well. Marcus was, stoic or not, an emperor, and that can't leave anyone completely unaffected by status. Still, I believe Marcus to be a far better kind of leader than most of today's, maybe all of today's, and a much deeper thinker as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Practical Stoicism. If you enjoyed it, if you learned something from it, consider leaving a review of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or Podchaser.com. Again, if you'd like to get rid of ads and if you'd like to support the show, you can become a premium subscriber by going to stoicism.supercast.com and any support you can give, I would greatly appreciate. Thank you again for listening and until next time, take care. Take care.